You're listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey, everybody. It's me, Bart Campolo. Welcome to the podcast. As you know, if you were listening last week, I asked people to send in suggestions of what we should call one another, those of us who participate in this podcast. And so I'm going to try a few out, you know, as if this was the beginning of the the show, I'd go like, hey, humanizers, um, or hey, humidors. Somebody suggested humidors. It's not what you, you, if you know what a humidor is, it has nothing to do with like, might as well call it like humidifiers. Um, Hey, human tribe, human Humanisters, that was one, humanisters, humanistas, which actually was a particular favorite of mine. I like that humanistas thing. It has kind of that revolutionary vibe. Um, marrow suckers. Now, that was one that came out of nowhere. Um, and I get the reference, the idea of sucking people who are sucking the marrow out of life, but think about the t shirt because I just don't think anyone's going to want to wear a t shirt that says marrow sucker. So keep them coming. And eventually one will rise to the top or we'll have a online survey or something like that. We'll figure it out, but keep them coming. In the meantime, I've got just a little bit of, I think it's good news, but some of you know that my father, Tony Campolo, big shot evangelical leader, and myself have been working on a book. And it's, it, you know, a lot of people have said like, gosh, that book is taking a long time. Well, I finally, I finally finished my part of it and also... The publisher let me know that they have got a planned release date in February. And actually, somebody told me that they actually found it on Amazon. Like, it actually even has a title already, um, which I, I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I sent it to the publisher and said, have you titled this book? Because I didn't know the title. But evidently, it's something like, why I left, why I stay. Um, and so I, I, that may be the actual title or the provisional title. I don't know. But bottom line is it's going to come out in February, which is a strange time for a book to come out, really. I mean, I think that most people buy books around Christmas time, although I can't imagine a book like ours being a hot Christmas read. So maybe what they're, it's like a, a depressing February read, like, you know, when it's dark and gloomy and you want to think about like fractures in your family and how to work out intractable conflicts. Um, that's when you would buy this book uh, as, as a ray of hope. Um, because it, it, I think it is going to be a book that gives people maybe some language to talk to each other in a constructive way um, that isn't so much about trying to change the other person's mind, but more about trying to really understand um, so that you can stay connected. So that's that's coming out in February. And, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with John Wright, the filmmaker, last week. Um, I did. I love John. I, I find John to be one of the most delightful people to talk to in my life. But I know John is going to be trying to get the film uh, out, the documentary out prior to the book to sort of to build hype for it, or, you know, to hopefully that they'll coincide with each other in a good way. So that means the film's on its way soon too. And, um, and I'm actually saying this into the podcast in the hopes that John will listen and realize that the pressure is on. Get her done. Get her done, John. All right. So listen, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with John last week. This week's podcast, if you check the minutes beforehand, that's the funny thing. Some of my friends are saying like, you have really varying times on the podcast. Like I cannot 
use your podcast as a reliable, like, get me through my workout thing. Because sometimes it's an hour and 20 minutes, and the next week it's 20 minutes. I'm sorry. I'm just not consistent. I'm going to try to do better, but this week's going to be short because it's just me. And I've got this one idea I want to share with you. I'm kind of excited about this because I I had a breakthrough moment. And many of you know that I'm the humanist chaplain at the University of Southern California, which is a voluntary role, an honorific title, but still something I take really seriously. And part of that, part of that work of, of, of community building on the campus is that I, Marty and I, we have a biweekly dinner party where we cook a big home cooked meal. It's vegetarian because half of our kids are vegetarians, believe it or not. Um, and that would be a whole other story. And some of them are reducitarians. If you're a listener to the podcast, some of them are reducitarians like us. So anyway, on this particular meal, we don't do meat, but we cook a big hearty home cooked meal and the, the young people come and they bring their friends. And last year, that dinner for a lot of people turned into a genuine community, a place of knowing and being known and feeling connected to the group. Um, and I was talking to this year's crew because there's a lot of new people and some people have graduated so you start all over again. And I was trying to talk about what it takes to go from being, from having a group of friends to having a community. And, and the key distinction I was making is, is that a community is when everybody, when you don't just know 10 different people, but all the people you know know each other and you talk about each other behind each other's backs in a positive way, you know, like, like in, in, in an uplifting way or in a, in a way aimed at like, hey, I, I heard that Joe's moving on Sunday. Yeah, I think he is. We should help him. Or, hey, did you know that Mary's mom is sick? Oh, my goodness. That's like, I'm going to give her a call. And so you're talking behind each other's backs, but in this kind of collective desire to build each other up and to help each other grow. And, uh, and so I gave this, like after dinner, I gave this little sermonette about this stuff. And I was talking about what it, what it takes to build a tribe, what it takes to make people come together that way. And one of the students came up to me afterwards and he said, I loved that talk, but all the time you were speaking, a little voice in the back of my head was saying, bullshit, that won't work. You can't just decide to be friends with people. He said, he said you can't just like take a random group of people and say, oh, become best friends. Like, that's not how friendship works. And instantly I, I realized like there's a distinction that we've got to draw here between friendship and fellowship. And I think that what a lot of us are looking for in our lives, strange enough, is not friendship. We have friends. We know how to make friends, people with whom there's this chemistry. And it's not romantic chemistry, but it's kind of, what's the word? Um, fraternal friendship, or, or not even fraternal friendship. It's, it's, it's friendship where there's some genuine shared sense of humor or interest or a complementariness. Complementariness? Complementarity? Yeah, that's the word where people fit together really well. And most people, they know what that looks like. And they sort of go like, hey, you can't just draw a line around a bunch of people or draw a line around a neighborhood and say, I'm going to invite all the people that are open to coming to dinner within five blocks of me to have dinner with me. And over the course of a year, we will build that into a fellowship. And my answer is, yes, you can. 
you can't, those people may not become best friends because they may not have all those chemistry things going. But fellowship is where people gather together around a shared interest or a shared commitment. And when they're fellowshipping, they're focused on that thing. And so you and I may not be best friends. We may not have a lot in common. But if we both go to the radio-controlled model helicopter club meeting, we're going to have something to talk about, which is radio-controlled modeled helicopters. And you say, well, but that's not friendship. And I go, like, no, but it can still be a really satisfying relationship. And sometimes at the radio-controlled model helicopter club, you will make a friend. Sometimes the relationship will transcend helicopter talk, and you'll end up caring about each other in other ways. That often happens over time. Sometimes even between people who would not, who don't have instantaneous chemistry, but a chemistry builds over time. But it's the radio control helicopter thing that keeps you together. And the thing is, is that if you went to a helicopter club meeting and people talked about everything but helicopters, they were, they were trying to connect like around what's your favorite movie and what kind of music do you like and hey, let's, let, let, let's get drunk or like, hey, let's, let's go for a hike together or whatever it is that they do. Like that wouldn't work when you have a helicopter meeting. The whole point is the agenda of the conversation. When you take somebody from the helicopter club out for lunch, you're, you're there to talk about helicoptering. And so when you try to pull together a humanist community like we, we have at USC, what I'm trying to, what I was telling these kids is like, look, I need you guys to get together with each other outside of these meetings. And I know you're thinking like, well, what do we have to talk about? But the one thing we have in common is that we're all secular. None of us are going to pull out the, if you tell somebody a problem or if you tell somebody about something you're thinking, nobody's going to pull out the, isn't God great? Or, well, the Lord works in mysterious ways or whatever kind of theistic language that's going to be, it's going to throw you for a, for a loop or it's going to sort of put a dissonance into the conversation. First of all, you have that in common is that you approach the world in a secular way. But the second thing is, is that just by showing up at a thing like this, like you've, you've made it clear that you're trying to grow sort of your secu- in, in your sexu- secular spirituality, that you're trying to become a better human being, that you're trying to, to become a more loving human being, that you're trying to become more aware of the wonder and the glory of the universe so that it will kind of inspire you to, to, to make the most of your life. All those things that we talk about on this podcast all the time. But the thing is, what I'm realizing is, is that you can get a bunch of humanists together in a room and they won't necessarily talk about that stuff. They're looking for chemistry. And what I'm saying is, is if you're going to get people together, you've got to put the thing that you have in common into the conversation. And so in the same way that like when I was a Christian, you'd sit down with a new Christian, somebody you barely knew, and they'd say like, how's your walk with Jesus going? Or like, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? Or, you know, tell me about your church. And, and they would talk about the thing they did have in common, which was that faith journey. And I guess what I'm saying is, is we've got we've to start, if you're going to build a humanist fellowship, you can get a bunch of people together who don't believe in God, but then you've got to seed the conversation with questions. So, you know, like, tell me your story. How did you come to this worldview that you've got right now? Hey, hey, so what relationships in your life right now are you most excited about? 
Or have you read anything lately that's been especially inspirational to you? Like, what podcast are you listening to? I listen to this podcast about science. And, and the question is, what do you listen to that helps you grow? What do you listen to that inspires you to, to be more, more grateful for your life or more thankful that you're alive? What, what do you – tell me about what activities are you involved in or, or who have you met lately that's encouraged you in your pursuit of goodness? See, that's the thing is that you can have – you in Cincinnati, we had this fellowship of neighbors – and the one thing that we all had in common was that we lived within five minutes of each other. Every, everything else was racially, it wasn't, it was mixed up. Socioeconomically, it was mixed up. Education, there were little kids, old ladies. It was, it, I mean, it was a crazy mix of people. The one thing they had in common, besides that we lived close together, which was key, was that there was an overt commitment to, we live in, a, we live in an at-risk neighborhood, and we're trying to make it's it better for ourselves and for other people. We're, we're trying to become better people. We're trying to build a village in the middle of this neighborhood, a, a group of people that care about each other. We're going to try to be good neighbors. And so what would happen would be people would have conversations around neighboring, around what was happening in the neighborhood. Oh, they opened this new store. What does that mean? Oh, crime is up. Oh, there's a meeting over here. Hey, this person's moving in. We should welcome them. Hey, there's this problem. We should go protest against this bad treatment of this person. And so what happened... Now, if, now those people ended up feeling really close to each other, but they wouldn't have if they would have tried to be friends. They were fellow neighbors. And the friendship came much later and much more slowly. Re, like the friendships, like the way most of us build, we go, we look for chemistry, and then we go, like, boom, we go. But fellowship is you look for this common commitment, and then that's what you talk about. And sometimes friendship emerges. And even when you don't feel intimately close to somebody, you still know they've got your back when it comes to pursuing goodness. You still know that they'll show up to help you when it comes to pursuing goodness. And so I was talking to this young guy and I was saying like, I think, I think I failed to make this distinction in the talk. And he goes like, oh, that makes sense. And I said, yeah, at these dinners, I mean, it's not just the food that makes it good. It's like, I, I try to, we're trying, we put questions on the table. We, I give these little talks, like we're trying to seed a conversation so that when we're together and, and hopefully when you go to coffee with somebody or when you, you guys go, go to, to a, a lecture together or you just bump into each other on campus, you know what to talk about. And so that's my sort of question for you if you're listening. And if you're one of those people that's sort of looking for secular support, a lot of I, I had lunch with a woman the other day and she said, gosh, you know, I, I'm so glad I connected with you because you know, we're on the same page and you're pumping this stuff out and we can talk about this stuff. But I've just, I, I'm ha I've had a hard time since I left Christianity. She was a, a post-Christian like me. I've had a hard time finding that kind of fellowship. You know, I was like, yeah, you're not going to find it. You're going to have to make it. And that is like, it's easy to find people who say like, I'm not religious or I don't believe in God or I, I'm not into churchy stuff. But the question is, how do you move those conversations to a deeper level? And what I'm going to suggest to you is, is that if you and this other person have in common that you're trying to make the most of your lives, if you can get that on the table, if when you get the other people together, say, hey, the one thing I think we all have in common here is we're trying to make the most of our lives, and then you talk about that. 
and you create activities and opportunities. You show films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You swap articles. Whatever. But it's all around pursuing goodness. And I know what some of you are going to say, like, well, that sounds almost like you're starting a new religion, a religion of the of the godless pursuit of goodness. And I go like, yeah, you know, you want to call it a religion, I'm not going to argue with you. Because to me, religion is all about the pursuit of life's ultimate questions. Where do we come from? Where are we going as, as, as a race? What, what happens when we die? What makes, a, what makes life worthwhile? What's, how do you figure out what's good and what's bad? What's the foundation of morality? All, that stuff, all those ultimate questions, yeah. Yeah, that's to me, those are religious questions. And so when you get together a group of people and you say, let's talk about the stuff that matters on that issue. Now, now you say like, but I also love radio control model helicopters. And I go, yeah, you may have to join a different club. You may have to be a member of two different groups. But a humanist community is not where we all have the same politics. It's not where we all like the same music. It's not even where we're all you know, vegetarians, because we've all decided that's the way to pursue goodness. It's that we're having a, it's that we've all decided we want to have conversations about pursuing goodness. And we want to spur each other in that direction. And we want to support each other in that pursuit. So, yeah, I'm probably repeating myself. And the little voice in my head, which is my sister-in-law, Mary, is saying to me, enough. The idea here is this is something to think about. Like what, what I want you to think about is when I was a Christian, I used to say, I know a lot of people have loads of Christian friends, but Jesus has nothing to do with the relationship. Well, what I would say is I know lots of secular humanists who have lots of other secular humanist friends and pursuing goodness never enters into the conversation. It never enters into the relationship. And what I'm saying is, is if you want to bond with people with whom you don't have all that other stuff in common, you've got to put the humanism out front. You got to take somebody out to lunch and say, hey, tell me your story. And tell me what you're trying to do with your life. And as you're listening, try to figure out where there's a connection or where you can make a recommendation of something that you've heard or where you can say like, oh my gosh, tell me more about that. I've never heard that before. We're not going to grow as a community and there aren't going to be these secular fellowships, these secular communities all over the place for people until we learn how to relate as fellows rather than just as friends. We are fellow humanizers or humidors or humanistas, marrow suckers. I don't know what we're going to call ourselves on this podcast or, or maybe even in the real world. I don't even know if secular humanist is the right term. All I know is you know who you are. You know what you are. You know what we are. And we've got to start relating to each other on that basis or else people are going to continue to feel isolated and frustrated the way so many people do right now. All right. That's enough, Mary. I, I, I know I did five minutes after I said I was thinking about you. So. I'm a jerk, but I'm a friendly jerk, and I'm really glad you're part of this podcast, and I look forward to hearing from all of you. BartKempola.org is the place to check in. I'll catch you next week. We'll have a real conversation. All right. Bye. For more information about the work of Bart Campolo, please visit BartCampolo.org.